the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Dr. Gleb Tuspersky, who has 20 years of consulting and coaching experience in the field of decision-making and risk management as the CEO of Disaster Avoidance Experts. His work has been featured by Fast Company, CBS News, Business Insider, and Inc. Magazine. Thanks so much for joining us today, Gleb. Thank you very much for inviting me, Matt. I'm going to kick us off with the fact that a bulk of your work is around effective decision-making. Making a decision via your gut is an approach that we hear advocated frequently. Why do you and why does your work talk a lot about how you should never go with your gut in a business decision? That's indeed the title of my best-selling book, Never Go With Your Gut, How Pioneering Leaders Make the Best Decisions and Avoid Business Disasters. And here's the thing. Gurus like Tony Robbins will tell you to be primal, be savage, or Malcolm Gladwell will tell you to make your decision in the blink of an eye in his book, Blink. But the problem with these strategies is that they sound good, they sound intuitive, they sound comfortable to us. And what sounds comfortable to us, what we feel good about, we believe is true and we do what we feel comfortable with. The problem with that is that our gut reactions, what's comfortable to us, our intuitions, your heart, your primal self, whatever you call it, is actually not evolved for the modern environment. So what they're telling you to do is behave in a way that fits our gut reactions, which are actually evolved for the savanna environment. When we were lived in small tribes of 15 people to 150 people, that's what they're evolved for, not the modern world. I mean, the modern world has been around only, let's you know, be real, since the internet and since this digital communication revolution, we haven't had time to evolve for that. Our gut intuitions, our emotions, they're inbuilt in us, they're wired. So they're not learned behaviors. The learned behaviors is what we should be following. Now in that Savannah environment, for example, let me give you a couple of examples. One of the most fundamental things for us that was really important was tribalism. So it was very important for us to orient toward people who looked like us, who were part of our tribe, and to be hostile to those who didn't look like us, who didn't think like us, who didn't have our values. In the modern world, that's not a really great way to live because we, as leaders, we function in complex, multipolar, global organizations or if even if the organization is local, it has global ties. I mean, my company, Disaster Avoidance Experts, uh, it's a future-proofing consultancy and training company. We have clients all over the world. And you know, we can't really only orient toward our tribe. And you as a leader can't do that either. But that's what our intuitions pull us to do. They pull us to make bad decisions around people. And that's why you have a lot of problematic decision-making, which we can go into. Another area that's really bad for decision-making is how we treat threats. In the Savannah environment, our primary response to threat was the fight or flight response, the fight or flight response. We had to jump at a hundred shadows to get away from that one saber-toothed tiger. You, you might also have heard of it as the saber-toothed tiger response. Now in the Savannah environment, that was great. That was so, because the threats you faced were intense, immediate in the moment. In the modern environment, that's terrible because you face so many threats that are not fight or flight situations, like COVID, for example. That's a slow moving, high impact, low probability train wreck of a threat. 
and so many people got it wrong. Uh, I end up writing a book about this called Resilience, Adapt and Plan for the New Abnormal of the COVID-19 Coronavirus Pandemic, about how you make better decisions around COVID, because mm -hmm. so many people made bad mistakes around it. One thing that you hit on there and that your work frequently talked about are the threats and opportunities. When you're assessing a new organization that you're working with, what types of questions are you asking to understand what threats they might face? When I'm looking at them, I'm trying to understand what kind of processes and techniques they're using. That's the fundamental question, because the threats you're facing, you might have threats in your environment, you might have threats internally, externally, within your industry, global threats. But my questions are, are you using the right processes? Are you using the right techniques to look at these threats? Are you using the right decision-making tools to make decisions around these threats? You know, it, let's say when you're looking at startups, right? About half of all startups fail within the first five years, about three quarters fail within the first 15 years. That's because leaders who are startup founders don't make good decisions around startup, around starting up their company and around structuring their business plan. Very many, of course, large companies go bankrupt. They make bad decisions. There was a study of, out of, 400, of uh, all the big companies, over $500 million uh, in market revenue, in market cap, that went bankrupt between 1981 and 2007. So before the fiscal crisis, when some good companies were wiped away. And over that period, 423 companies went bankrupt. And when you look at the reasons they went bankrupt, 46% of them went bankrupt purely due to poor strategic decision-making by the leadership. That means not having good processes for looking at threats. So for example, if you're using techniques like, let's say the traditional SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, that's very common for businesses to use. But when you're using that, that's kind of a false comfort, unfortunately, because when you use that and you're not aware of these dangerous judgment errors that are inbuilt into us, into our wiring, they're called cognitive biases. We can talk about them. But when you're not aware of them, what overwhelmingly happens, and I see this literally every time I go into a company and I ask them to show me their, if they do a SWOT analysis, their past SWOT analysis, they exaggerate their strengths and opportunities, and they really underestimate their weaknesses and their threats because of their sense of optimism over confidence around their company, their leadership. And so the SWOT analysis ends up being a false comfort. They don't address the right issues in the terms of the weaknesses and threats, and they overplay their strengths and opportunities. Hmm. SWAT is a really interesting place to take the conversation. It also allows organizations to spend some time really thinking about it. And it might be flawed, but it allows time. What about in situations where you don't have time? I think many of us default to gut reactions when we have to do something quick and without the opportunity to bring a team together and really analyze the risks. Do you have any quick decision-making strategies that can help in those opportunities where you don't have the time to put a thorough plan or bring a meeting together or decide on consensus? So I think that's kind of a false binary that many leaders have. And I'm not saying that you phrase it that way, but many leaders have that false binary within them. And that comes from the fight or flight response. That intuition, that was great for that 
in, intense threat in the moment. You know, it's great for when you have a bus battling at down at you. You don't want to take the time to think. That's when you want to go with your gut. That's a situation that's life or death, and there's no need to think. You know, you don't need to wait and decide. You know, maybe the the bus will miss me by you know by foot, right? You don't want to take the time to decide that. Just get out of the way. But business decisions aren't like that. You pretty much always have a couple of minutes, at least a couple of minutes to decide what's going on. And if you have a couple of minutes, there's pretty easy techniques that you can use. I'll give you a technique called the five questions to avoid decision disasters. Super quick technique, very easy. Once you learn to ask these questions, it takes you only a couple of minutes to go for them if the decision is right. And if it's wrong, then you definitely want to take more time. But let me go for these one by one. First question of these five questions that you want to make sure to use to get a good enough answer and to avoid a bad decision on any question, very quick. What important information didn't I yet fully consider? So what evidence didn't you take into account? There are two components to that question. First of all, what inf information is important? You don't wanna get stuck in analysis paralysis. You don't wanna take too much time you want to look at the important information. And if it's a really major decision, of course, it'll be more important information. If there is less major, then there'll be less important, less information that's important. And that's first. Second is what didn't you consider? And what we tend to not consider is information that goes against our beliefs. So for example, we tend to not consider the fact that a business colleague who we've worked with for a long time might not be fully transparent about a certain issue or someone or maybe a project that we like and appreciate maybe we invested a lot of time in it might not be going so well and it might be better to cut our losses but it's very uncomfortable again going with our comfort our gut intuition it's very uncomfortable to have these feelings and so we don't tend to not consider that information so that's the first question Second, what dangerous judgment errors didn't I yet address? So what are these cognitive biases that I didn't consider? And my book, Never Go With Your Gut, How Pioneering Leaders Make the Best Decisions and Avoid Business Disasters, talks about the 30 most dangerous cognitive biases in professional settings. So one of the biggest ones that you might've heard about is called the confirmation bias, where we tend to look for information that confirms our beliefs and ignore information that doesn't. And there are 29 others that you really wanna address. Third, what would a trusted and objective advisor suggest I do? So think about this trusted and objective advisor. Think about this angel on your shoulder. What would they suggest you do? You get about 50% of the benefit from this question just by asking it and taking yourself outside of the decision-making process. And you get the other 50% of the benefit by calling this person, or if you're a millennial, texting this person. Fourth, how have I addressed all the ways this could fail? So imagine your decision completely failed, absolutely failed, now think about the reasons why it failed. You don't want to say how might it fail. You want to imagine that it totally failed. That gives yourself permission to be creative and say, okay, these are the reasons why it might have failed. And then you outline the reasons. And then for any ones that seem most likely to occur, you make sure to address them, address the problems, take steps to address them. And finally, what new information would cause me to revisit this decision? What would cause you to change your mind? So this is about metrics. It's about evaluation. What kind of metrics can you put in? What kind of evaluations can you have that would cause you to revisit this decision, either from the beginning or revisit how you implement it? So these five questions, I went through them quickly, as you can hear, it just took a couple of, takes a couple of minutes to go through them. 
once you know these techniques and just practice them. My book talks about them extensively. Never go with your gut, how pioneering leaders make the best decisions and avoid business disasters. Once you know about them, it's very easy to use them and you use them for anything that you don't want to screw up. Not that you, super important decisions, but anything you don't want to screw up, you should use these five to 10 times a day to make your decisions. A thing that you mentioned here and that your that pops up in your work is is mental fitness. And I think a lot of the listeners to this show think a lot about how can they improve on the whole as a leader and as a professional. You talk about mental fitness, about overcoming dangerous judgment errors. What is mental fitness? How can we strengthen it? And how can we ensure that we use it to our advantage? So if you want to think about physical fitness, physical fitness is similar to mental fitness. You take steps every day to make sure that you're physically fit. Steps that go against your intuitions, that go against your gut reaction. So for example, when uh, you know, we used to be pre-COVID, go to the break room and there was a box of open donuts in the break room. It's very tempting to take half a donut, right? And then you know, once you take half a donut, it's kind of uncomfortable to leave the half a donut. So you take the other half. And then you take, you know, you're triggered by the donuts. So you take another one and then the third one. And before you know it, half the box is gone. Not that it ever happened to me, right? And that is something that's intuitive to us. We, from the Savannah environment, are very much triggered by sugar. We are the descendants of those who are very strongly tribal, who had a very strong fight or flight response, and who are triggered strongly by sugar because all of those things enabled us to survive and thrive. You know, the ones who didn't died, and we notice you, we're the descendants of those who didn't die. But, you know, that's not a healthy habit, being triggered by sugar. So hopefully you figured out some healthier ways of dealing with a box of open donuts, maybe going to and skipping the donuts and going for a fresh bowl of fruit or something like that. You have already learned in various areas of your physical fitness to manage yourself, discipline yourself. Now you need to apply that same techniques, exactly same techniques to mental fitness. And mental fitness involves learning about where you are triggered, that cause where your triggers are that cause you to make bad decisions. And these are the dangerous judgment errors, the cognitive biases that I talk about. So for example, my biggest problem in terms of cognitive bias is called the optimism bias. I tend to be very entrepreneurial, very creative, very, very idea oriented, but unfortunately too risk blind because of that. And so I take too many risks intuitively and I make too many mistakes. And this is very common for leaders and for entrepreneurially oriented leaders like myself. And so, you know, running a six people company, you have to be pretty entrepreneurial. And like I said, startups fail pretty frequently. And I know that. I know that that's a big, big trigger for me. I know that that's a big issue for me, just like sugar is a trigger and there are other various other triggers for physical fitness. So I need to learn and I learned about areas where the optimism bias will trip me up. And I learned specific techniques to deal with that. The one that's most helpful for me is number three from the five questions to avoid decision disasters. What would a trusted objective advisor suggest I do? 
So I have, I make sure to hire people in my company who are not simply optimists, but who are pessimists, even though I much prefer to work with optimists, I click with them. But pessimists are the ones who will take my ideas and who will say, you know, I have 20 ideas before breakfast and I think they're all brilliant, but they'll look at those ideas and say, well, these are all half-baked potatoes, but these three are worth finishing baking. And they will then implement them very well. They're bad at generating new ideas, but they're great at evaluating ideas and then implementing them. So I imagine what would a trusted pessimist suggest I say about, do about these ideas. And then I take those steps. And if it's a more important decision, I of course go to the sexual pessimist. So I learned in this triggering situation around an optimism where I have ideas and I'm enthusiastic about something to make sure to not simply jump into it with both feet. And that's what you need to do as a leader. You need to learn about these dangerous judgment errors, these cognitive biases that I talk about in my books. And you need to make sure to learn which ones are you're most vulnerable to. And then what kind of mental habits can you develop to acknowledge, be aware of this, and then prevent yourself from being triggered and falling for these issues. Well, that tangible advice on the mental habits that are necessary and that we can develop is a wonderful spot to close this part of the conversation and actually shift to the last part of our conversation, which is the two rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. So if you're ready, I'll start with question number one, which is this, if you could describe your leadership style and I only gave you one word, what would that word be? Intentional. That would be my description of my leadership style. I really want to make sure that all aspects of my leadership style are intentional and they're thought through and they don't go with my gut, my intuition, because I know how easy it is to get that wrong. So my, that would be the one word I would use to describe my leadership style. And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Ah, that's a great question. I think the best piece of advice I've ever received is to learn about my own emotions. And that was something I received when I was a young leader. And I didn't really realize the importance of paying attention to your emotions. But as I started learning about these intuitions, these gut reactions, that's what brought me to become an expert on this topic and decision-making and risk management. It made me realize that my emotions are driving me to make bad decisions. It made me realize that any leader's emotions are the key to driving them to make bad decisions. They need to develop emotional intelligence. And this is a fundamental component of addressing cognitive biases, emotional intelligence, so which refers to self-awareness and self-management of your emotions. So learning that advice to learn about my emotions and to be able to influence myself, lead myself is the critical first step that all leaders need to take in order to become effective leaders. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of the insight. Where can our listeners find out more about you? They can go to my well, they, well, first of all, of course, the book, Never Go With Your Gut, How Pioneering Leaders Make the Best Decisions. They can find that in physical form and digital form and audible form and audiobook form in bookstores everywhere. And of course, online, Amazon, Barnes Noble, Audible, and the other book I mentioned, Resilience, Adapt and Plan for the New Abnormal of the COVID-19 Coronavirus Pandemic as well. 
Now, my own resources are going to be at disasteravoidanceexperts.com. So that's disasteravoidanceexperts.com. You especially want to check out the assessment on dangerous judgment errors in the workplace, the 30 most dangerous judgment errors, free assessment, along with an eight video-based module course at disasteravoidanceexperts.com forward slash subscribe. So again, an assessment and an eight video-based module course, all free on making the wisest decisions at disasteravoidanceexperts.com forward slash subscribe. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks to all our wonderful listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Learn to Lead Podcast. And you can find our organization at ability.com. Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. 